think it's really being unapologetically yourself, like really finding back way to who you really are and then living it because if you're living on other people's terms, like you should be doing this, 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 you will never live extraordinary life because it's other people's life. But extraordinary means honoring and fully expressing who you are and then inspiring others because from your enlightenment, you're going to light up other people around you and that's so beautiful. Helping CEOs and business leaders discover the energy to perform exceptional brilliance and positively impact the lives of those around them. Be inspired by world leaders, game-changing influencers, and next-level gurus. This is the Active CEO Podcast, where the ordinary don't belong. And now your host, CEO and founder of Energy to Perform, international speaker and leadership performance coach, Craig Johns. On this episode of the Active CEO Podcast, I speak with a confidence and transformational coach, meditation teacher, fitness guru, and host of the Unapologetically Abundant podcast. She has an associate's degree in business administration and management from the College of Southern Nevada, a bachelor's degree in marketing and management from Western Governors University, and an MBA in business management and marketing also from Western Governors University. Her career has included being a business development manager, and she is also a founder of PK Media Solutions, Be Strong Minded and Unapologetically Abundant. I'm honored and privileged to introduce you to the CEO of Unapologetically Abundant, who knows that a money mindset matters, has overcome 18 years with an eating disorder, and is passionate about pairing feminine flow with strategic planning to help people turn a side hustle into a business. Patia Kolobova. Patia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And oh my goodness, like when you're listening to like the things that you have achieved and done, I was like, wow, I didn't even realize that, right? Like sometimes we're focusing on the next thing and you're like, oh, I already got all these things. That's awesome. So thank you for the reminder. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. And I think it's important, right? We need to take that time for reflection. And I know you do that quite a lot with the people you work with and yourself as well. So very timely. Where did you grow up in? So what made you come alive as a child? Mm, such a great question. So I was growing up in Czech Republic, you know, in a, in a small town in Eastern Europe. It's, you know, heart center of the Europe. So we're close to Germany and Austria because people are sometimes like Czech what? So it's, it's like really center of the Europe, um, close to Austria, Switzerland, um, Germany, really beautiful nature. And that's what I feel that really made me come alive. When I was a little girl, I used to always run into the woods, you know, just be close by by water I like water up until these days it's what really makes me come alive no matter how amazing or hard or long day it really was um, you will always find me around water whether it's you know close to the ocean or river or you know if I could be right now in Bali I would be probably close to a waterfall if I'm home in Las Vegas which is middle of the desert I will be probably sitting in a shower <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. And I, I traveled to Prague um, back in the 2000s and just such a beautiful city. I love that you've got the culture, the, the history, 
everything's so close and the people just love to have a good time. And, and you're talking about the woods there. I remember going out to this uh, amazing sort of festival uh, of music in the middle of summer there. I had no idea anyone else there, but I met some incredible people and brings back some, some great memories from, from that part of the world. Did you have a dream career that you, you always desired to do as a teenager? Yeah. Absolutely not. You know, like how kids are like dreaming, like, I want to be a pilot. I want to be cosmonaut. I want to be dancer, ballerina. I never had any of those desires. You know, I, I never had anything that I would want to follow. There was nothing that I would want to be when I grow up, um, not even as a teenager. And to be really honest, up until I got into my 30s, I felt that I'm good in many little things. But you know how you say that you are like, um, you can do many great things, but you're master of none. That was kind of me. And I was feeling that I can, oh, I can fix this. I can do that. I can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But I didn't ever, ever in my life felt special. And that was something that was my story, my limiting belief that I really got to work on to really realize that every single each of us, it's special. The way we express ourselves, the way we see the world, the way we relate to people and to ourselves, it's so special that it literally took me three decades to tap into that. And over a decade now, I'm working on personal development, spiritual development, really working on myself. So it's now when I'm almost 40, when I'm tapping into who am I, why am I here? And to make it really a joyful experience, not only for me, but also those around me. So a little bit long-winded answer, <laughs> but I never had anything that I wanted to be. And forget entrepreneur ever, ever, ever. There are kids who like are little and they sell newspaper and then sell, I think, um, it was a Gary Vee who said that he was selling neighbor his own stones or something like that. He was selling something, you know, to his neighbor that was the neighbors. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I never wanted to be entrepreneur. I never like I always like thought that entrepreneurship and CEO, it's hard work seven days a week, um, neglecting your family, neglecting your health, all of these things. So I was avoiding it as a cut water. <laughs> <laughs> So, so before we really delve into the work that you do, understanding that, why did you decide to study business administration, management and marketing? That's such a great question, you know. Um, why did I was like studying a business and marketing? And the thing is that when I was back in Czech Republic, there are just a couple of choices. You're either going to be studying a trade, which is like, you know, hairdresser or makeup stylist, or you're going to go to gymnasium, which is going to take you to university. And that's like for the smartest kids, right? The A students. Or you can go to industrial that you are going to be like, uh, that's for the logical analytical people who love math, not me, let's say it clearly. And then economics, you know, so my only choice, because I didn't want to do trade, trade was usually for kids who are either extremely talented um, in that area, like working with the wood or loving doing hair or the C and D students, right? And I was like, B student. So I didn't fit again anywhere. So that's why I was doing a business. I'm like, well, what else? And um, 
That's what I did in Czech Republic. And then when I lived in Spain, I lived there for four years. I got an offer to be exchange student here in the United States to go to get my associate in business, which I achieved. Then I did bachelor in marketing. I was always fascinated with marketing, like why people are doing things they're doing, why they buy the certain things and the time. And like, I was really fascinated. And I think it came down into human psychology. And then I'm like, okay, now I have a bachelor. What's next? Right. So <laughs> then I got the MBA and I'm like, then is the PhD. I was like, let's take a little break. <laughs> Yeah, the smart move. The PhD is definitely very immersive and, and quite time consuming. So where did that, you know, you talk about going from Czech Republic into Spain and then you end up in the USA. So where did the, the studies take you career wise? Hmm. That's a beautiful question, you know, and I feel like because I've been traveling the world, you know, going from Czech Republic and I also lived in London then I lived in Spain, then I moved to the United States. I um, career wise, I would say what it really gave me was the confidence and communication skills and really trusting that no matter what will happen, I will figure it out. There was a big like life lesson. And I think that you cannot learn it in a couch sitting at home and comfortably in your parents house. Right. So I think that traveling the world really gave me the confidence into looking in different cultures and different mentalities. I speak five languages, only three of them are fluent, but it, it really opened up many doors. Yeah, I mean, having three fluent is pretty, pretty impressive from my point of view. Uh, so well done. Many people grow up feeling unloved and unworthy, and you started to touch on this a little bit at the beginning. Are you okay sharing with us why you felt this way? Absolutely. And that's such a great question, because I feel that the way we are feeling about ourselves, it's going to reflect in everything else we are doing, our relationships, our family, and, and mainly in our business, what kind of clients and opportunities we're attracting in. So my sense of feeling unworthy and unlovable was when like, literally from the moment that I was like brought into this world because my mom was dating my dad. Then they had the first time encountered two years later and I was an accident, like an accident. The first time she was with a man who she dated for a long time, but still, and they got married because they thought they have to two years later, they got divorced. So then my mom got remarried with my stepfather who was mentally and physically abusive. So not only I grew up telling myself the story that I don't matter. I'm not special. I shouldn't be here. I was here on an accident. Um, I ruined my mom's life because if she wouldn't have me, she would probably go more studying and she wouldn't have to marry my she didn't have to, but she wouldn't marry my um, stepfather and her life could be better. So those were the stories in the back of my mind. Plus being physically and mentally abused led me also into eating disorder of 18 years of not only hating myself, but also hating my body, depression, attempt of suicide. And all of that really stemmed from feeling I'm unlovable. I shouldn't be even here. Mm, I'm sorry to sorry to hear you went through there, but obviously it's it's allowed you to really lean into your purpose as well. What was the realization for you that you could let go from that eating disorder and search something that would make you feel better? Hmm. I wish there would be such a realization, you know, <laughs> like in the moment. I wish there would be something that 
something clicks you know sometimes in personal development or business when you're looking at the problem there can be something that just clicks for me it was more of being on the, the dark path, I knew that if I will keep going, it would kill me. I just knew that. It was every single day being in the darkness. I didn't want to live. And I was like 26, 27. That was my second time in my life that I was thinking like, I don't want to be here. So I realized that if I don't change something, I'm not going to be here for very long. Either I will ruin my body through eating disorder or I will take my life. And it was when you do something for a second time that didn't work for the first time, you now know, you now know what didn't work. So for me, it was, um, I got, I don't want to say lucky, blessed, maybe. Um, I started to look for researchers looking at Uncle Google, right? Like how can be happy, how to let go of eating disorder, how to stop suicidal thoughts, all these things. And luckily I find Louise Hay and she is a big advocate, you know, outdoor speaker. Um, and she has a Hay House um, um, books, you know, um, publishing company. And that really literally saved my life. It wasn't like day-to-day -day realization, but I started to reprogram my mind with, what do I want instead of what doesn't feel good? So instead of having my inner critic telling me, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not special enough, you don't deserve love, um, look at you, like, who do you think you are? I started to listen to these teachers like Louise Hay, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Joe Dispenza, um, Gabby Bernstein, Tony Robbins, and they were like literally brainwashing me. So I was living through them instead of living through my life because my life back then didn't feel good. So that's what really helped me move the needle. Mm. So I'm curious, you know, and through your own learnings and, and what you're now doing as well, how can young people recognize the signs of playing it small or even prevent it? I love that question. Thank you for asking. So one thing that I love asking my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients is when they come to me, if nothing ever changes in your life, are you okay with that? 10 out of 10 to me, the woman who come to me tell me like, no, I'm like, okay, we, we got to work to do because Craig, if you ask me right now, if nothing ever changes in your life, are you okay? For the first time in my life, I am. I'm in loving, loyal, devoted relationship. I have an amazing team members. I work with my soulmate clients. I have a six-figure business. I'm working from home. I retired my mom, taking care of my grandma. I love my life for the first time ever, but people get to really check in with themselves. The trajectory, where I'm going, and I'm just chasing, am I just going achievement to achievement to achievement that it's not fulfilling? Do I want to live this life? Like, for the next 20, 30, 50 years, depending on, you know, how young you are. <laughs> but most of the people, they're like, no. And when you realize that there is this no, then you get to ask yourself, because there are different areas of life that, you know, we can work on. It's your finances, it's your relationship, it's your health, um, it's your contribution, you know, like many different areas, mainly like there are seven main areas in life. But right now, if I ask you, what weighs you down the most? Like right now, if I always joke, like I'm a check witch, I will swap with my fingers and it will be all good. So if I can like remove one thing that weighs you down, what would it be? So then you start thinking and usually it's surprising. And usually the first thought, it's the right thought. 
when I heard first th- uh, first time this question was when I was doing for first time ever yin yoga. I was back then married and I was there and the professor or the teacher of the yoga, he says, these 60 minutes are for you, just for you. You and your mat being present in your moment, in your breath, whatever weighs you down, put it on the side of the mat. If you want, you can pick it up after the class, not right now. My first thought was my husband. I'm like, oh, dang. So that was like when I realized what really weighs me down the most, happily divorced now. Great, great, great life experience. But um, we get to ask ourselves sometimes, you know, what's working? What can we be celebrating? And also, what would I love to improve? What would make the biggest difference right now? Is it really making more money? Is that really making you more fulfilled? Maybe the answer is yes, because maybe you want to retire your parents or maybe you want to fix your home, whatever it is. Maybe that's the answer. But very often it really starts inside with the inner peace, with the confidence, with the knowingness, with loving what is. And then the money comes. That's something that I teach my clients too, having a relationship with money. It all starts with you. Certainly does. For me, I was personally fortunate that I had clarity on my purpose and focus on life from a very, very young age. And you know, this is not the case for most people. What can parents, teachers, and other role models of young children do to help them find their meaning in life? Such an amazing question. I love it. And, you know, it's fascinating because the more I am like evolving on my journey, the more modalities I'm really learning in the world. It's not just the logical. Let's sit down and write the list of the things that, you know, we like or what we want to explore. But I'm also tapping into modalities like astrology and moon and uh, like human design. And what I know, um, we don't have babies yet, but we're planning. So when we have a baby, so I know the first thing that I will want to do, it's knowing what is their human design. Human design, it's just a modality that you can take a free test online and really discover what is your type, meaning the way you were born, right? Because when you take personality tests like Enneagram, Mayer test, all of these things, it doesn't work for me personally because... I can change my mood, I can change my answers, you know, like I'll take it in the morning and at night it's going to be different because I'm feeling differently. Human design, it's set and it's done and you can see what is your design. So really understanding first yourself, but then your kids, right? What is their design, what they were, when they were born, you know, how they were born. And for me, that would be the modality that I would go in if people are not open to trying new modalities and really learning on a deeper level. What I would do, it's really looking at their the kids, like their natural talents and gifts, what comes easily to them. Some of them are really creative. Some of them are really amazing communication. Some of them are really great leaders. It's so fascinating because as we go, we forget My grandma was telling me, I did like an interview with my mom and my grandma about my childhood and giving them like certain questions, you know, like, what did you think that I would be when I was growing up, how I was when I was growing up and these things, I don't remember, right? And my grandma, she was like, you were such a leader and you were talking with everybody and we'll be sitting on the bus and I would have to like drag you out because you were talking with strangers. I'm like, a what? Because... I am introverted extrovert. I normally don't go out and don't speak to people when I'm in here. Me and leader, what are you talking about? I'm usually sitting in the back in the corner and, you know, like sipping on my tea and don't talk with anyone, me and leader. But now I'm stepping into that again, right? So I did it as a baby girl. 
I forgot it because I was so layered up under my limiting beliefs and who do I think I should be for others to love me and to accept me and validate me. And now I'm stepping back into that. I'm still introverted and extrovert. I love being by myself. I love recharging my energy in nature and, you know, reconnecting to myself. But I know I thrive when I'm with my people and I am an amazing leader, which I would never believe in five years ago. Ah, that's good. It's really, you know, it's amazing, you know, we, uh, to, to have that opportunity to talk to your, your mom and your grandma around that. I think that's such a powerful thing. We, we quite often leave those discussions until right near the end, which is really sad because we can learn a lot about ourselves um, that may help us in what we're doing and provide greater clarity on who we are and, and what we can be. You've mentioned limiting beliefs. Um, a couple of times. So, and, and I know you work a lot around limiting beliefs and also internal blocks. So how does a, for our listeners, how does a limiting belief form? Hmm. Uh, so belief, it's just a thought that we keep thinking over and over and over, right? So if I will tell you that, you know, like um, smoking is great, smoking, it's amazing, smoking is good, smoking, it's expanding your lungs, you will keep it in over and over, hearing it over and over, you can either see it, you can either hear it, um, you can um, see it like or hear it from others, you know, so those are like your facts that are surrounding you, you will start believe it because it's again, just the thought that you keep believing over and over and over again. So my stepfather was telling me like, I'm nothing, I'm a loser, I will never achieve anything. And this was from baby girl when I was five year old. I kept hearing it for 13 years until I ran away from home. And then I kept hearing it even worse way in a toxic relationships that I attracted because I was attracting what was comfortable for me, what was known for me. And we are just going to be recreating the same things over and over different faces, different places, but the limiting beliefs are things that doesn't let you to be you, are, are beliefs that we acquired along our journey, but it don't feel really true if we sit with that. Because for example, and this is such a beautiful example, when I moved here in Las Vegas, I didn't have almost no friends, right? I was going to the school and a couple of friends here and there, but nothing in depth like I used to have in Europe. And then a few years ago, I went to this mastermind. They had their um, Jay Shetty and, you know, amazing people like that. Incredible. And I met there my friend, incredible person. I love him to life, Bijal. And he is Indian and his family, they are doing, they used to be doing, um, like uh, retreats in India. So we, we start just casually chatting in the kitchen and we're talking about limiting beliefs. And I, and he was like, okay, so what is your limiting belief about yourself? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not enough. He was like, huh, interesting. So can you go from here to there? And he just shows me like a few steps in the kitchen. I'm like, yeah. So I walk there, walk back. He holds my hand and he says, you see, you're good enough. You can do this. You are enough. I start crying. Like that was such a huge breakthrough and it can seem so simple. But if you keep repeating yourself and to others, I'm not smart enough. I'm not special. I'm lazy. I'm procrastinator. Whatever are these things? Is that really, really, really true? Ask yourself, is that really, really, really true? 100% unshakable true. Because whatever you will tell me right now, if I will ask you, three, five times, is that really true? 
is that really true if you go low like deeper in these levels you will find out that it's not your truth okay now that you see that it's really not your truth ideally what would you love to feel ideally what would it look like and you write that the new truth there you write it on the paper your old beliefs your new beliefs and then you cut out the old beliefs throw them away and you keep the new beliefs and your ideal what would you love to believe and live by somewhere you can see it so um you can have it in your office in your bedroom in your bathroom wherever you will look at it often but it's so important because again beliefs are just thoughts that we keep thinking over and over again okay start thinking new thoughts and no it's not going to change in a day or in a week you didn't get here in in a week where you are so let's not push ourselves that hard but i can promise you it's going to be so much faster you know three decades of my life sucked i had to go through it my soul chosen it i believe it that we choose our experiences that's why i'm so loving compassionate and nurturing and motherly even without being mom to my clients because i went through that but now you can choose again and it's going to be so much faster I think that's you know really important. So we, we do like I've done this work around with the beliefs as well, where you go old belief, old actions, old results, new results, new actions, new belief, and it's a really cool process to go through. And you know it's a light bulb moment for a lot of people. A couple of things have popped up for me, which I find quite interesting. We we see a lot of people who end up in toxic relationships, whether it be at home or work. But for some reason, they attracted to stay in those relationships. However, you have spoken about running away from home at 13. You've spoken about, you know, breaking up your marriage to, to find something better. So for you, why do you think that so many people are attracted to stay in those toxic relationships? It's, you know, it's such an amazing question. And the thing is, it's going to be different from person to person because some of it can be familiarity that I mentioned before. For me, I grew up with, you know, like narcissistic stepfather and everything, um, everything behind, you know, like everything on the outside looked perfect, like a perfect family. And behind the door, it was like door slamming and beating and like terrible things happening. Nobody could see it and nobody knew. And uh, the thing is that it becomes so familiar that you don't even know that something else exists outside of this. And if you even see it, you see something loving or nurturing, you're like, I don't deserve it. It's not for me. It's meant for others, but not for me. Because if it would be for me, I would have it, but I don't deserve it. That's why I'm having what I'm having. So that's really challenging to like break through. Of course you can, you always can, because I believe that in life we don't get what we want, we get what we settle on. And sometimes it's painful, you know, running away from family and being alone or uh, walking away from a marriage, you know, that that you know it's harmful to you and um, breaking through that. It's really, it goes back to self-worth and self-love and knowing if that, listen, if it doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. You know, because very often the victim of whether it's just, I don't want to say just, but whether it's mental abuse or physical abuse or just like um, limiting, you know, like you can be happy only when I'm happy or when I'm around, like these old limiting is because we allow it, but 
because we don't know any better, it becomes familiar. So it goes back into tapping into your intuition and your inner guidance and trusting yourself. And that's nothing woo-woo. Like your body is going to protect you. Your body, it's going to guide you. But very often we shut it down because like, what would I do? What would I, who would I be without this person? Or what about my kids? Do you really want, like, imagine, do you want your kids to live like this? Mm. You don't. Like, the way you are living, if your best friend or your little daughter or little son comes to you and they share with you what's happening in their life and it's what you're going through, would you be okay with that? Don't do yourself what you wouldn't do to others. It might seem very simplistic, but it's so eye-opening. And then you just get to ask yourself, what can I do? What is the next safest step? You know, what is the next safest step? Sometimes the safest step is just like listening audios and books and reading and educating yourself like codependent no more or there are many beautiful um you know authors and people who are teaching about toxic relationships because until you heal it you will keep repeating it mm. it's uh it's a, some good advice there and i think it's important you know like it comes back to presence as well and being presence in the situation to not only how it's affecting you, but how it's affecting others around you and taking absolute full control of that. I'm going to swing back to swing, swing out of this for a little bit here. You know, what was the catalyst for you shifting from a corporate career to founding your own business? Because you did talk about earlier on about not wanting to be an entrepreneur, not wanting to be a CEO, but here we are. Yep. It's so fascinating because it's if I would believe in accidents or coincidences, I would be like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur by accident, but I don't believe in any accidents. You know, everything is as it, as it gets to be. So um, I was working in a corporate and I was, you know, working as an office manager. I had three, um, you know, assistants under me and I was also taking care of their social media. And what I learned through social media that what really, really, really sells its relationships. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. You just talk with people and then they trust you and they want to buy from you. I was like, really like that easy i can't believe it you know like how many thousands you spend on ads and everything and and then it's as easy as i really care so um i started tapping into this and our company was growing exponentially which also meant that from small company we went to big company and you know, bigger. And they hired people, they didn't give a damn about the company, they just came from a paycheck. And unfortunately, or fortunately, anything I'm doing, I'm taking it as mine. So if you come to the work, and you don't perform, and you don't really care, I will be on you. And the bosses didn't like it, you know, that I'm the one who is like, telling people what to do and not to do. Um, they wanted me to stay in my place. Plus the environment became toxic in a way that people came there and they just complain and what's not working and um, speaking behind each other's back. And that just really doesn't resonate with me. So I started to be really frustrated and bitter. And again, your energy is louder than any words. And um, I started to work with a couple of clients on the side as a side hustle, personal trainer and also social media. And then one weekend I went to visit my 
cousin in Chicago. And over the weekend, I got fired from my bosses from a company that I work at five years because I forgot to, right before my flight, my coworker was taking me to the airport. I needed to schedule posts for my client from my Facebook, which I did on a company computer. And they read all of my conversations and everything with my best friend. So I got fired over the email. So like blessing in disguise, back then it really broke my heart, you know, because we were like family and they they really didn't um, agree with me saying that the the it's toxic there, you know, because I really cared. I really loved that company and it broke my heart that people who didn't care stay there. Well, of course they left like soon after me, not because I left, but because they didn't care and they find something higher paying. I didn't care about higher paying. I cared about a company. So it was really a blessing in disguise, but that's how I became entrepreneur. I was like, oh dang, what do I do now? So I had few personal training clients. I got couple social media clients. So I created company PK Media Solutions, social media marketing. I had it for a couple of years, but throughout my journey, I learned that I am hustling, working super hard, super tired, seven days a week, falling asleep, waking up with my phone. And I just couldn't have that. I was like, literally shut down my body. So I asked myself again, I did the check-in, right? What is that really lights me up? What is that I really like doing about this? And what I really love was not doing the work for people and being the social media marketing manager, but telling people what to do, <laughs> <laughs> teaching them and educating them. And also working with women, it really lights me up to like, I had a couple of clients, men, you know, I had one, uh, but it's, um, so like enlivening for me to give women tools and strategies to create a life on their own terms, whether they want a business or not. Um, nine, like eight out of 10 of my clients will want to build their online business because they want to work for themselves. But a couple of them, they will work for with me just on their inner peace and happiness and confidence, which is amazing. But that's how I became entrepreneur, completely unplanned, completely like, unwanted back then but every single morning Craig that I wake up without the alarm that I can do my hour morning routine I am so grateful I got fired <laughs> beautiful and, and so now you, you've got your your business you've been through kind of that experience where you're waking up with a phone but then you started to figure out how you could actually run your business more effectively what process do you go through to help people find um, to find their real meaning in life? Hmm. It will be different for every person, of course. There's not like cookie cutter and this is like ABC, I take them through. Um, but if I would like generalize it, what I would say it's like three parts of the coaching with me because we start on um, 90 days program and most of my clients, they renew because they want to just have pity in their pocket. But the basic premise, it's in, in the 90 days, we really build the foundation of first part, we look at your past, you know, like we really go deep on your past and how did you become who you are today? So we look at the past wounds and traumas and sometimes trauma can be big as an abuse or as small as like my parents forget me in a store. It, it's so little that you forgot, but I do, you know, NLP, hypnosis, meditation, with my clients so we go really deep so we look at the past 
then we come into the present. Who are you being right now? You know, do you have a healthy boundaries? Do you have a healthy rituals? Do you really know your core values? So it's like, who are you being at this moment? So when we establish this foundation of who you are being and what are really your core values, core desires, what do you really want when you're not everything for everyone, right? Then we can look into the future and into the future, we can plan, do you want to be helping others? Do you want to create online business? Do you want to podcast? Like, what is your core true desire? And that's what we built. So in the 90 days, my clients can walk away with really like, the foundational healing done on themselves they most of the times haven't done in their lifetime and then having a clarity on the next step and having the foundation of their business built because i help them to step into the ceo leadership how to delegate really discovering what are their gifts and what they get to be doing and what they get to delegate Mm, delegating is really important and i think once you have absolute clarity on your vision you start saying no Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think it goes back to your core values, you know, knowing who you really are, it's easier for you to say no to the things that don't feel right to you. And not because they're bad things, but they don't align with who you really are. Mm. Your work includes the inner child healing, and I'm pretty curious to know how that works. Mm hmm. It's, it's beautiful, you know, because very often nine out of 10 of my clients, they didn't get the childhood they wanted, even they might have absolutely incredible present parents, but the stories they have created about their parents just distance them. So we go back and see what were the things that didn't make them feel loved or didn't make them feel accepted. Like what were the feelings that are coming up? And then we are doing reparenting. So again, I do hypnosis, I do meditation, we do exercises together so they can really reparent themselves and reconnect with their inner child. Because by the age of seven, we already set and done our mindset on who we are going to be and what are our stories my limiting beliefs were built before the age of eight you know when i can track it all back so now it's really time to shift that around and look at who did i want it to be what did i want it to hear what did i miss how can i give it to myself now because if you give yourself everything then you don't go to the world needing a partner to fulfill you needing a business to give you the money needing the 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 employees to validate you right like you don't need that if you want that that's great but it's a cherry on the top you don't need it and that's a huge difference mm. you're now the host of unapologetically abundant podcast Mm-hmm. Why did you start the podcast and what is it that you love about being a podcaster? Mm. So um, I started it because it really inspired me to see other women podcasting. And when I heard their stories, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need to share my story because it, it impacted me so much to listening to other women. It brought me to tears and it gave me a hope. And when I saw where they were and where they are now, I'm like, I want to be sharing my journey. So my first podcast was called Be Strong Minded. You know, there was like being and physical and mindset. So combining those three. But then I shifted into unapologetically abundant around three years ago or two years ago uh, because I realized that when I became unapologetically me, the abundance came. So I went from struggling, hustling and working hard into working three days a week and having five figure months, right? And it's the flow and, and that's what I'm teaching my clients too. You don't have to be working really hard. Yeah, I like that. And 
you know, for you, how do you ensure that you manage your energy and performance so that you can lead your life and the people you influence in the best possible manner? Great question. And for me, like my morning routine, it's sacred. I don't work in the morning. You know, I have some international clients like in Singapore and Europe. So the earliest I will work, it's like 10 a.m. Waking up around six, seven max, whatever my body needs. But my morning routine, it's non-negotiable, but it's flexible. So every morning I will do something else. Some mornings I will read, some mornings I'll exercise, some mornings I will script, journal, um, pull some cards, you know, like money cards. Um, so it's going to be different, but the morning, it's always the time that I pour into myself so I can then pour into the world. I used to be waking up with my phone and go, 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 go. And then I was exhausted and burned out. And now I really make sure that I slow down and I'm really present into who am I being. So then I can help the world. Beautiful. We all know smart people have great answers, but the most successful people ask, oh, sorry, most successful people ask great questions. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Oh my gosh, this weekend or when was it? I don't, I'm like, I don't know what date it is. This weekend, it was huge. I went to um, indoor climbing, Mind you, um, I used to be afraid of heights probably until this weekend. I'm still probably working on it. When I was 11, I, I fell from balconies. So from then on, I have mm. like fear of heights. And we went into indoor climbing and the first wall, I wanted to die and I was sweating and I think I was even crying. But the second wall, like I like really like I enjoyed it. Right. So that was for the first time. And it was a huge breakthrough for me, like really facing your fears and rewriting on how it feels and what it really means. Mm, love of climbing, the love of heights it's exhilarating when you actually do something that you have been afraid of and, and overcome it so well done what is the one question that you would love to solve hmm. i think how can people live in love you know i feel like when we live in love we don't harm others we are not competing we're not comparing we're not jealous um, we want to nurture one another so how can people live in love? Mm. For you, what is your definition of living an extraordinary life? Mm. It's amazing. I think it's really being unapologetically yourself, like really finding back way to who you really are and then living it because if you're living on other people's terms, like you should be doing this, 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 you will never live extraordinary life because it's other people's life. But extraordinary means honoring and fully expressing who you are and then inspiring others because from your enlightenment, you're going to light up other people around you. And that's so beautiful. Ooh, lighting other people up around you. How can people learn more about what you do and what is the best way for people to connect with you? So I love Instagram. So I'm always there and I do my teachings there. So Instagram would be just my name, Petya Kolibova, or um, connecting with me on my Facebook group, Unapologetically Abundant Woman, um, which is where I do my trainings. I have expert guest speakers. So it's absolutely amazing community. So those two places are my favorite. Or when you go on my website, there's everything, of course, like my name. 
Pityakolubova.com. And we'll put those links in the show notes so everyone can find them as well. Patia, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Uh, to hear your stories of growing up in Czechoslovakia and the, the, um, the adversity that you went through at different times, but the opportunities that came from them have really established who you are and help you, how you can help other people. I always admire people that have lived in different countries because their perspectives are so different and unique to other people and to explore, you know, Europe and, um, you know, in, to London, to Spain and now in the USA where they're quite different cultures uh, apart from each other. And that really helps you grow and evolve as a person to understand the way you went through, you know, 18 years of really challenging who you were what you wanted to be, why you were like that, to come out of that and then really define who you are and just really stamp your presence is beautiful to see. And I love the work that you're doing. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a servant life and I can see mm. you're making a massive difference. So thank you very much for coming on the show today. Um, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And thank you so much for sharing this with the world. You have an amazing day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to a beautiful conversation with Patia Kolobova. It all starts with you on the Active CEO podcast. Now we hear different leadership styles quite often and, and one that really resonates with me and is something that people comment on quite often is called servant leadership. Now I'm going to share with you today the six C's of servant leadership. The first one is clarity. You, before you can serve, you first must have absolute clarity on your vision so that your team can understand where you are going. The second one is connection. Connection with your team, you must care for them. You need to show empathy. And one of the most beautiful things that I love is called loving kindness for your team. The third one is curiosity. You must be a really good active listener, ask curious questions, and be prepared to receive feedback on your leadership. The fourth one is culture. It's important to be both self-aware of your own culture and be a steward to show people where to, where to lead them with their culture before you start delving into the team culture. In team culture, it's important to have a diverse team and ensure that people have real clarity on their roles. The fifth C is collaboration. It's important to surround yourself and, and surround the team with diverse people and, and ensure that roles are able to bring new ideas to life and that people can connect with each other. So providing those opportunities. And number six, community. It's important that you build, nurture, and foster a community. You can't just put a team together and leave it run, uh, let it run by itself. You must build, nurture, and foster a community atmosphere there. So how are you going to be a more effective servant leader? If you need help with the six C's of being a servant leader and want to improve the way that you lead your team or company, then please contact me at craig at NRG to perform 
craigjohns.com or click on the contact page of craigjohns.com.au. And together, we can help you become a more effective servant leader. Now, coming up on the next episode, we have a great guest called Brian Sand. So keep an eye out for that session. It's going to be an absolute cracker. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm Craig Johns. This is the Active CEO podcast where the ordinary don't belong. Join the Active CEO movement by visiting www.nrgtoperform.com. That's nrg2perform.com. Share this podcast on LinkedIn and be sure to tag in NRG to Perform. Leave a review on iTunes. Drop us a line with your feedback and questions and connect with us on the NRG to Perform Facebook and Instagram pages. Be sure to check out the next Active CEO podcast where the ordinary don't belong.